the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woohoo! Welcome to today's show. Today we have an incredible guest, Willie Buchanan, who uh, went to Oceanside High School and also uh, played for the Green Bay Packers and as well as the San Diego Chargers. And with that, Willie, thank you so much for being here with us today. And if I can, um, can you just introduce yourself to all the guests and all those listeners that are listening today? Well, good morning, or actually, good afternoon, Pastor. <laughs> hey, man, good uh, evening. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, Willie Buchanan, you know, and I, it's great to be uh, speaking to you. I know we've uh, uh, we've we've talked about a lot of things uh, uh, concerning the Lord, but this is a good venue to sit down and uh, get reacquainted. Amen, Willie. Thank you for being here. So uh, I'm going to, I know you're a a believer. You love the Lord. Do you remember when you gave your life to the Lord? Well, you know, I'm I'm what they call a PK, you know, so I grew up in the church. My father uh, uh, started a church in Oceanside, Shiloh Church of God in Christ. And, you know, it's that area of, of, uh, that uh, I was blessed with because I had a a praying father and a praying a hard praying mother that uh, that brought me up in the right way of the word and so uh, you know I I, I learned uh, a lot of things at an early age but didn't realize that I had to accept Jesus Christ on my own as Lord and Savior. Amen. It wasn't my mother and father was going to get me into heaven. It was me making a confession. Amen. So Amen. I learned that at a later stage in my life, but uh, I am here, and I am rejoicing. That is awesome. Hey, I, I had, I, I really didn't know who was the uh, the guy that started that church. Was that your father, Shiloh Church? Because it's still there. Yes, it is. Yes, wow. It is. Uh, that... we, we actually built the church. Oh my goodness. We started the church in uh, our family room, and my brother and sister and I were pretty upset that they were taking our family <laughs> room away for church, but uh, <laughs> it led to some bigger and better things in life, so uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. Amen. That church is still amazing. It still does a lot for the uh, for the surrounding community, the east side and ocean side. Um, so, wow, that is... Well, yeah, and you, you know, it, it was a community church. Uh, I originally was a member of the Friendly Church of God in Christ. And um, so uh, that's when we started our ministry. But the biggest thing about the ministry was uh, um, my mother, my father was trying to date my mom when she was in high school. Oh, wow. And she told him that she was not going to date him unless he started coming to church. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. I love that. That is phenomenal. Hey, so let me ask you a question. You, uh, Where did you play high school ball at? 
I played at Oceanside High School. I'm a native of Oceanside community, you know, and I have actually been thankful, very thankful for our community and our sports program because it it kept me <laughs> out of a lot of trouble. And uh, I always say about Oceanside, it's a community that, that gave back to the kids, and I have never had a bad coach that coached me in Oceanside. So I was grateful, very grateful. Amen, Willie. That That is awesome. And then, of course, you went off to college. Where, do you go to, where did you go to college? Well, I ended up um, – uh, back in the days when I was playing, freshmen couldn't play varsity football, and the j- junior colleges had a full, full-on program. So I decided to uh, go to Miracles. I had signed a letter of intent to go to University of Arizona. Okay. Uh, but I went to a junior college and played uh, uh, two years of football there. My freshman year, I decided that I wasn't going to run track anymore, so I played. ended up playing baseball. Uh, end up being a player of the uh, year in baseball for wow. our conference and got drafted by the Padres my freshman year in college. I so. did not know that. <laughs> that is amazing, Willie. So you eventually... Yeah, I was blessed. Yeah. yeah, you sure are. You sure were and you still are. Um, so you finished college and you were drafted by who? I went to San Diego State. Uh, I played uh, two years down to San Diego State and uh, drafted by the Green Bay Packers. I was the uh, seventh player picked in the first round for the Green Bay Packers. You know, I and I, I thought I was going. All indication was that I was going to Pittsburgh, and uh, they decided to to draft this guy named Franco Harris. Oh, <laughs> Franco Harris, yeah, the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you yeah, did something. Just passed away, and Franco Harris was a uh, good man of God and a good friend of mine, and he passed away about uh, uh, two weeks ago. So, Were you guys pretty good but friends? We were. We were. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I know is that uh, your rookie year, you did something phenomenal. What was your accomplishment your your rookie year at Green Bay uh, at Green Bay? Well, that, that was it. I I, I end up becoming the rookie of the year uh, as a defensive back, and you know that's that's kind of hard. It's very hard for the uh, for the National Football League. But the rookie of the year for the American Football League was Franco Harris. Oh my goodness, are you serious? <laughs> I am serious. So we became good friends. Uh, you know, and he, he has put on a golf tournament uh, over the past uh, 20 years uh, at every Super Bowl. And so I see Franco quite often. I talk to his sister more than that. So uh, we, we, uh, I help her with their uh, foundation and their uh, golf tournament. Oh, that is, that is amazing. So you were all pro. That was, uh, uh, what year was that in? Willie? 1972. 1972. Wow, that is phenomenal. So you've also done some pretty amazing things. You've uh, you've been twice picked to the Pro Bowls. Um, you were first team All-Pro in 1978. And uh, what year was your personal best year? Well, it had to be 1978. Uh, two things happened. Uh, one of my good uh, friends, a, a man that lived with my grandmother that kind of um, uh, mentored uh, me, he passed away, and I dedicated a season to him. And also, it was 
uh, the fact that I was playing out my option because I was trying to get uh, more money from the Green Bay Packers. They didn't want to pay me. And so I told them that I was playing my option out and I was going to let the whole <laughs> conference know that I, Willie Buchanan can still play football. Amen. So I put myself out there to, to play football. Ended up being my best year. I led the league in interceptions. Um, and then I uh, got two actually two records uh, for the NFL. I got four interceptions in one game and three uh, fumble recoveries in one game, which is an NFL record to this date. Yeah, that is awesome. I looked that up. I, um, it's, I, I think there's now like 12 people that, uh, that, are, that have intercepted uh, uh, four interceptions in one single game, but I mean, no one's ever broke that record. So you were like this incredible player. Now, uh, how difficult was it because uh, you were obviously a man of God you had given your life to the Lord and and now you're uh, uh, you're this professional ball player you're you're shining and everything you're doing um, but how was that uh that mingling you being a Christian and I mean because not all ball players are Christians well that's true and then we we had a pretty good uh, crew back in the uh, in Green Bay and uh, and San Diego, you know, so we, uh, you know, some of us profess, you know, and and I I hit that prodigal son uh, route for a while, and uh, finally convinced myself that there was an emptiness uh, in my heart that I needed to fulfill, and you can only fill it in in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, and I realized that, uh, especially after I retired from ball, and. Uh, um, just got more so into the church and was able to do a lot uh, more things. You know, a lot of people wanted me to come coach and and coach football in college. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> Eddie Robinson down at Grambling called me and asked me to come down and coach uh, at Grambling. But, really? Uh, it it would took it would have taken up too much family time and Sunday Sunday time for Christ. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus is number one in your life. Yes. That is awesome, Willie. You know, how long did you play um, after you moved from uh, from Green Bay? Because, I mean, it's been said of you that that you were somebody kind of born out of time because you were on the on the wrong teams for the the player you were in, in the NFL. Um, how long did you play with the Chargers? I played four years with the Chargers. I played seven years with Green Bay, four years with the Chargers, and uh, I still had more playing time. I could have played for a lot longer, as long as I wanted to. But I told myself when I started, and I had a mentor that helped me, a man by the name of MacArthur Lane in Green Bay. He told me uh, uh, some things that I needed to prepare myself with. So I prepared myself to leave the league. So I told myself when the game ceased to be fun, now, it was fun for me playing football. I was going to quit. And uh, um, that it became that way my, my 11th year. It wasn't fun anymore. They were Politics were starting to, to play into factors. And so I said, but I could have went and played somewhere else. And I said, you know what? I started in San Diego. I might as well end in San Diego. So I went on and retired. And then uh, <laughs> here we are, still in San Diego County. And, man, a lot of us were super happy that you came to San Diego um, hey, listen, if you just tuned in, you're here with Freedom with Adam Riojas as I have an incredible guest, Willie Buchanan from Oceanside High School. 
uh, Miracosta College, San Diego State, and becoming Rookie of the Year with Green Bay Packers and then eventually coming over to San Diego back home. And he is an amazing man of God. So, Willie, how difficult, because I know a lot of ball players that have a difficult time once they leave the NFL and become unemployed. They're no longer playing ball and they're they're trying to get their lives together and transition, huh? Difficult or how easy was that for you? Well, it, 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 it was easy because I had mentors and then I, I had people that told me that the game was going to end at some point in time and I was going to become a commodity at some point in time. So I needed to prepare myself for life after football. And I, I taught school for during the off season for 17 years. And uh, I've always been involved with kids, and uh, I have a foundation here in Oceanside. We're still dealing with kids. I'm still coaching at my high school. Matter of fact, I got track practice at uh, 3.15 today. Amen. You know, I'm, I, I just enjoy working with kids and enjoy working in my community because I told myself, because one thing that our community did, I was a musician, and uh, we got our instruments stolen in the city of Oceanside had a fundraiser. Wow. To raise money for all the instruments that we had in this group that I was called the Roadrunners. And there was 10 of us in the group, from saxophones to pianos to organs to guitars to amplifiers. The city raised money to uh, for us because we were all athletes. I mean, we were all gifted athletes. Amen. And so uh, uh, I told myself at that time, if I was ever able to give back to this community, I was going to continue it. And you and you have, and that is amazing. You know, uh, when I was in junior high, uh, you spoke at our athlete of the year event, and it was just kind of amazing. And I was, I was in awe. I'm thinking, I'm going to play cornerback, and of course, I did in high school. And so, I mean, you have touched a lot of lives, and it's amazing that you're back um, in, in Oceanside putting back. So, you said you taught in between the off season, so. What did you teach at? I taught in actually every school that I attended, from elementary, from Laurel Elementary, Didmar Elementary, to San Diego State in a grad program. So uh, I have had fun, you know, doing these things because, like I said, I had to prepare myself. But I found out that teaching wasn't the one thing that I really wanted to continue to do. And so at a point in my life, I got my real estate license, got a broker's license, and I've been in real estate for over 30-something years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Are you still in real estate now? I am still in real estate right now. And so you're a broker? I am a broker. So you're still helping folks, like, buy buildings and homes and all of that good stuff? Sell businesses, everything, all of the above. I consider myself global. I will go anywhere in the United States with our referrals network set up. Um, I, can, I can work anywhere in the United States. That is amazing. You know, my wife is a broker. <laughs> that is oh, awesome. Yeah. So, I, you know, with my wife, when I, when I married my wife, I made sure that uh, she continued her education and she got her broker's license. That's amazing, Willie. You're you're the bomb. Now, you're now giving back to the community now, and you're the track coach. Um, like, uh, 
you said you ran track in high school. What did you run? What were your events that, that you, uh, uh, the things I you ran did? hurdles. Hurdles. I ran hurdles. I did a little high jump and long jump. And I, we tried everything out there. Back in the days when I was running in high school, we had a coach by the name of Tom Shields. In my four years of high school, we never lost a dual track meet. Really? My senior year, we should have won state, but our top hurdler, uh, pulled the muscle, and he was the top hurdler in the state that year. And uh, I was the third fastest hurdler <laughs> on my team, and I could never beat these other, <laughs> other guys. Oh, they were they were exceptional. And both of these guys were in the band that I was in. Wow. Yeah, close-knit of men. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Matter of fact, at one point, we were three-tenths of a second off the national. High school four by one record. Wow, we were that good! Wow, that is yes. amazing. So you're now the track coach. How is that working out for you? I mean, uh, and you're back at Oceanside Pirates, Pirates, and, and that's awesome. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that experience and what you're going through now. Well, the experience is, you know, like I've always been in, involved in Oceanside athletics and then um, football takes up too much time and I love track and uh, we have the best track coach uh, in the county, the head coach um, for the boys and the head coach for the girls that that I've been working with for the past, you know, 15 years probably. So uh, um, we do a lot of things that, like I said, this is the way that I stay in touch with the kids and especially through the foundation work with kids and uh, find out certain needs that they need and take care of certain things. And I have a scholarship that I give out in my father's name. It's the Mance Buchanan Memorial Scholarship for a track athlete that's been in the program for four years. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that they have to go through to get this <laughs> this award. And uh, I give it out every year. Wow, that is, you're the man. Um, tell us a little about about your father. He was famous in my era as well. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about your dad. Well, my, my dad worked for the Oceanside School District. He was a bus driver, so he he would uh, there was probably three bus drivers around Oceanside that would that would take all the kids around uh, to school. So everybody knew the bus drivers, and everybody knew my father because number one, again, he was a Christian, a pastor, and uh, he didn't allow too many things to get hidden on his bus. Now, so he ran a tight ship, and then uh, uh, so he was a community advocate, you know. So the things that he did, I watched. Watched him, and the things that he did for a lot of the kids, I watched him, and I am duplicating the things that my father was doing back in the sixties. That that is amazing. Your dad was an incredible man. He was actually, um, I was privileged to ride on his bus a few times. I, I didn't take the bus all the time, uh, but when I did, there's no doubt he ran a tight ship, and he was he was definitely a man with a lot of integrity. A lot of integrity. There's yeah. actually a, tell us, there's a, they named something after him in Oceanside. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, that's, um, they named a park uh, out in uh, in Oceanside, the Mance Buchanan Park. It's a 28-acre park on the back, right, the back gate of Camp Pendleton. And a beautiful park. I mean, if you go over there on any Saturday or Sunday, you see people walking, kids playing, uh, doing soccer season, you'll see 
20 or 30 different soccer fields set up that the kids are playing soccer and stuff like that. And we try to to get lights out there and a, a field so that we can have a little football out there. And it's right next to uh, Chavez uh, Middle School. Yes. So they kind of shared the area out there also. So it was a good thing. They were going to name uh, Martin Luther King High School after my father. Wow. Um, and when they didn't do that, they named the park after him. That's awesome. I mean, the parks always have this long-lasting uh, aura about them, and the community, you know, will usually find out a little bit more about parks. Um, here's another another question: um, You're a man of God. Um, are, are you involved in your church? Yeah, I am. Uh, I go to a church uh, in Temecula that's called Barack of Faith Ministries International, and it's a word church. And I just love <laughs> the fact that God's word is still going truth, and God, God's word is true. Amen. And uh, uh, the pastor is, uh, is a word pastor, and his wife is is a word pastoress, if you could call it that. But she is also an anointed, gifted psalmist. And uh, she has a <laughs> angelic voice that you just uh, it, it just uh, it make it bends you to your knees. Amen. But she opens her mouth Amen. and sings unto God. It's just one of those things that are just great. And like I said, I've always been involved in music, so I uh, take part in the praise and worship team and uh, and things like that. But I am very involved in my church. That that is amazing. You know, I have the privilege also of. Uh, being a part of this little uh, Bible study that some great men are part of teachers and coaches and ex-athletes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, um, there's a prayer group up at Oceanside High School. They started probably 25 years ago, maybe. So, uh, And I've been involved with them um, almost since the inception of it. And uh, what we were doing at the time at the high school was praying for the teachers and praying for the students. And we would meet every Wednesday to do all of this. Um, and it got to be, uh, like I said, we kept carrying it on and carrying it on and carrying it on. And then when the uh, pandemic hit, we weren't able to to be at the high school. So uh, the, the baseball coach, which is a member of your church. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Barrett. <laughs> Past- Pastor Dave Amen. Um, brought us, he said, hey, our church is open. We can have Bible study there. And we've been having the study there ever since. We were ha- we were trying to do Zoom, and then we felt that there was more of a, re- we needed to see each other, a relationship. We needed a, a closer relationship. So we started coming to your church at the cross. <laughs> <laughs> what time is that and held at, Willie? We continue to do that. <laughs> and the, 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 uh, the actual club is called 555. And why is that, Willie? Because we meet every Wednesday at 555 Amen. at the cross. Amen. <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, uh, Dave Barrett says, they came up with that because something about Junior Seau, his number was 55 as well. And, you know, Oceanside has had some incredible, incredible athletes. And, and it's just, you know, I'm so honored to be able to be part of this little uh, ministry as well, meeting with um, all these men of God at at five fifty five, and I I I'm, I'm feel honored. You know, I I it's easy for me to open up and talk, and I think every man needs someone like that. Tell me why it's important to have 
people that you can trust and be able to speak with? Well, men on men, you know, sometimes you can pour your heart out and and discuss things that you know not, wouldn't ordinarily discuss within the realms of a, a of a other uh, or maybe in a, at a congregation. And usually, if you can't do it at a congregation, this is the best place to do it because uh, we 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 put our hearts on the line, and there's some heavy discussion about life and about Christ. <laughs> so we love the fact that we are able to just come together because we've known each other for so long. And and still, I mean, it's a longing for us. You know, I mean, we, we, we fight to get to 555. <laughs> Amen. So. Amen to that. Amen. So, you know, we have a few minutes left. I, I, I want you to give our audience a few minutes of encouraging words, if you can, Willie. Encourage Well, God is still on the throne. I just love the fact that uh, that we are able to uh, to look at a world. We look at the situations and everything that goes on around us, and know that our God has got our back. Our God is continually pushing us forward and trying to tell us. You know, we have to at some point in time. Um, take over the promises that God has promised to each and every one of us. I mean, we're supposed to be uh, a witness to the world that is lost. And that's where we go. And that's my encouragement because, and that's what I saw in my father and the things that he did, you know, and my mom, uh, who was the praying that I know. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter that uh, if you can um, get, get, your, get your surroundings set, and get in the Word, and get an understanding of the Word, you grow through wisdom in the knowledge of knowing that Jesus Christ came to save each and every one of us. He does not want one of us to be lost. All you have to do is answer the bell, and there's going to be somebody that's going to confront you at some point in time in your life to tell you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And we want you to do it now before you cross over into the next world, because there is a hell and it is waiting for anybody that doesn't confess Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Thank you. I am so grateful and thankful that my mother and father showed me the path and that I took the right path. Amen. Knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Willie, for being on the show today. You are an incredible man of God. You are an incredible ball player, and you are definitely someone to look at. Thank you. God bless you, and we'll be right back. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. 
Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option that values constitutional rights and medical freedom, serving ages 3 through 6th grade. Hosted by At the Cross Church in Oceanside, they offer in-person classes and electives Tuesday to Thursday, along with a classical conversation community offering foundations and essentials on Mondays. And they're now accepting applications for spring 2023. Visit them online at www.atthecrossoceanside.com. That's at the crossoceanside.com. Woohoo! Welcome to the show back again. We just had an incredible guest, Willie Buchanan, who came out of Oceanside High School, aspired to San Diego State, and eventually became Rookie of the Year for the Green Bay Packers. And he is a man of God. So it is possible, if you're listening now, to be a professional athlete and to have a relationship with Jesus. And he's now currently the coach of Oceanside uh, High School track team. Um, If you just tuned in, um, we are about to go into this incredible message and um, we recently had a message on knowing the difference between uh, the rapture and the second coming, but I wanted to give us a second dose so that we could be convinced of what ab- is about to take place soon. And I hope that today, as you're listening here with Freedom with Adam Riojas, that this word would go into your soul and into your mind and that you would understand the difference between the rapture, rapturo, or harpazo, as it states in First Thessalonians chapter 4, caught up, snatched up. The word that was used in Latin is Rapturo, which is where we get our word rapture. In the Greek, it's harpazo. In English, we use the word caught up or snatched up. And there's a difference between that and the second coming of Jesus. Some folks actually believe that the church goes through the great tribulation, and that is completely false. Let's dive into the word and see the difference. And as we... uh, uh, go into Matthew 24, Jesus, be, the disciples actually begin to question Jesus about the end times and when this is going to happen. And this is how it starts off in Matthew 24. And we're going to go rather quickly so that we can get through this amazing study that God has for you and I. And Matthew 24, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Barely I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that prophecy actually came to pass soon after Jesus was crucified, Um, In 70 AD, when every single stone was dismantled from the temple of that existed at that time, the temple of God, the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. And as this conversation continues to go, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came on to him privately saying, tell us when these things 
B, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Two different things. You're coming and the end of the world that they're asking. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes and divers places. We see all of these things that have been happening since Jesus spoke this and prophesied this. And then it says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Sorrows. Now, I want to go back briefly to the, to verse seven where it says pestilence, that those are viruses and If you are living in a day as today, you now see that these pestilence, these viruses that are man-made are attacking planet Earth. And so Jesus was right on. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And of course, we've seen that happen. We recently seen where people were losing their heads for being Christians, when the Muslims took over Iraq and they began to execute Christians live, and we were able to view all of this. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. We see that happening. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Listen what it says, but he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. We need to endure until the end. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophets, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, Let him understand. Now, here we see a turning point. We see Jesus begin to change the topic of what has already happened up until this moment. The rapture occurs right when the the abomination of desolation occurs. And we're going to look at it biblically and see why this takes place. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, we all know that the rapture, the great getting caught up, the rapturo happens in Thessalonians. When we read it, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or died, that you saw not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, In Jesus, or who have died knowing Jesus, will God bring with him? He's bringing back the dead. And then at the rapture, their body meets the person, the the consciousness of who that person was. And we can see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, where it says that the twinkling of an eye, that those that are here on earth, still on planet earth, will be transformed and given new bodies. Now, 
First Thessalonians chapter 4.15 says this, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or have died. For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Did you hear that? The dead in Christ shall rise first. But he's already bringing back those folks. He's bringing that the consciousness, that person of who he is. Remember, the body is a tent. And what rises from the ground is the body. All, every, its whole makeup. And it becomes a brand new body as first Corinthians chapter 15 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. In the clouds. Remember that. In the clouds. To meet the Lord where? In the air. And so shall we ever be with him. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, there is a difference at a second coming. In Revelations chapter 19, we see this at his second coming. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful. He's coming in a white horse called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. He's judging and he's making war with those on planet earth. Remember the rapture. We meet the Lord in the air. There's no war that takes place. He takes his church with him. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Remember in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh in John chapter one and the armies which are in heaven followed him. These are armies that are following him. White horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean and out of his mouth go with a sharp sword and with the if he should smite the nations, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. And so see, we see a difference here we see that the second coming he comes in a white horse to make war with those on planet earth and to set up a kingdom that lasts a thousand years now that is a different study today i want to make sure that you and i know the difference between the rapture or getting caught up or rapture or the harpazo which it's called in the Greek, that there's a difference. Now, when Jesus said this to them, when you therefore, back in Matthew 24, 15, he says, wherefore you shall, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let them understand. Now, what Jesus is doing here, he's bringing validity to Daniel's teaching on the abomination of desolation. Now, some of the Jews believe that that took place when the Greeks, anti, all these madmen came in and set up a, an idol of Zeus in the temple. But here Jesus is saying it's still a future thing that's going to happen. Hey, listen, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas 
as we are making sure that we understand the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Jesus. Now, as Jesus says in 15, he's he's affirming what Daniel said. He's affirming that Daniel wasn't a myth, that he was actually a historical person that actually wrote down this. Now, in Daniel 9, 24 um, to 27, in three verses, he literally begins to prophesy. He tells us about the 70 works that are determined upon the city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, the word for weeks is actually sevens. In the context that we're reading, it obviously means seven-year periods. Now, Daniel had been meditating on, on God's promises and, of course, of captivity because they had been now captive for 70 years. But then the angel Gabriel brought him a message, um, and not just 70 years, but he goes on and says, but 77s of years were determined on his people. That is, God would be dealing with Israel as his Chosen people is covenant people for a period of 490 years. Now, these events prophesied for these 490 years are critical for the proper understanding of knowing end time prophecy and knowing what scripture tells us of eschatology. Furthermore, this remarkable uh, fulfillment of the key portions of the prophecy of the 70 weeks is certainly one of the strongest evidence that God is no doubt in all of this book, that it is a supernatural book that always comes to pass. Now, in that same verse, finishes transgression, much of the prophecy already has been fulfilled but not all of it, not all of it, folks. It's com- complete accomplishment um, and end of sins. Everlasting righteousness awaits the second coming of Christ. Consequently, since far more than 490 years had already passed in the following verses, however, many eminent expositors or even theologians have understood it as an unbroken sequence terminating in the first coming and in the death of Christ. Now, 25 says now says this, Now therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to the restoring to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now, to restoring to build Jerusalem. Let's understand a little bit. Now, the 490-year period begins with the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem, the holy city. Now, there are folks that have taken this to be the decree of an emperor Cyrus in about 536 B.C., uh, recorded by Ezra. This is highly unlikely, and let me tell you why. Because the commandment only decreed the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra 1.3. Now, evidently, there was no formal commandment 
to rebuild the city itself until the time of Nehemiah. When a letter from the Persian emperor, Artexas, did make such a decree in Nehemiah 2438, this was about 446 B.C., I want us to completely understand this. Now, seven weeks, so 490 period is divided into three components. 49 years, 434 years, and seven years. Now, this is amazing. The first was evidently to be occupied with the actually completion of the streets and the wall of the city in troublous times as described in the book of Nehemiah and Malachi. Perhaps most significantly, the 49-year period did terminate with Malachi's prophecy, which marked the close of the Old Testament revelation. And as we continue, after uh, when it says three score and two weeks, after the 49 period was to be another period of 434 years before Messiah would come as Prince of Israel. This period between the two testaments was marked by fulfillment of some of Daniel's other prophecies, the fall of the Persian and the rise of, of the Grecian Empire, then of the Great Roman Empire, then in Israel, the conflict between Egypt and Syria, and the wars of the Maccabees. In all of this, there would be 69 weeks, or 483 years, until the Messiah, the Prince. Now look what 26 says. And after the three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of war and desolations are determined. Let me read 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease for the overspreading of abomination, she shall make a desolate, even until the consummation of the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. There are exact dates that are given to here. Now, in 26, it says that Messiah was going to be cut off. And this is important if you're listening right now. It says, if the 483 period began in 446 B.C., its end would seem to be A.D. 37. However, there is a lot of evidence that might be called the prophetic year, which was in the Old Testament 360 days instead of 365 days. They used to look at a year at 360 days. Now, when you look at this, uh, the year associated with end time seems to be the same as Revelations 11 2 3. If this factor was applied to the 70 week prophecy, the 400 and 83 calendar years would only be 476 prophetic years, allowing for the first and for the fact that Jesus was actually born about 4 B.C. This was the date when King Herod died, and that's when we know soon after Jesus was born. Then the terminal date of this prophecy becomes sometime in AD 30, the year when Jesus was between 33 and almost 34 years of age. This, of course, is the year of his of his crucifixion. To the T, Daniel prophesied when Jesus was going to be crucified. Now, 
there still remains this one week, and that one week is literally the abomination of desolation that is about to take place. And we're there, folks. We're there. The The rapture is right around the corner. Now, as Jesus skips over in, in Matthew, because he gave us a word, he gave a word to the church, to the disciples about what was going to take place in verse, in the preceding verses, he goes on to tell them about the second coming of Jesus from 27 to 31. And then in 36, Matthew 36, 37, 38 to 48, he gives us this incredible word. But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Remember that. Now, that seven-year abomination that's going to take place, the tribulation, is seven years. Now, it says that no one knows the day nor the hour when he's coming. But if you take the seven years from the rapture, you would know exactly when his second coming would be. It would be seven years from the rapture. And this is interesting, but as in the days of Noah war, so shall also the son of uh, the son of come, the son of man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away so that also the coming of the son of man will be. We don't know the rapture, the time or the day, but once the the church is taken out, we know exactly a second second coming. It's seven years. We know that at three and a half, the Antichrist says he's God. And we can read that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. They shall be in the field. And, and look, this is interesting. Verse 40, 24, 40 says this. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Jesus is coming back really soon for his church. Now, we have like a few minutes, but let me tell you that. Also, Luke teaches us, and he says this in 1726, as in the days of Noah, so shall also be the also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drink, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Listen, the, the Lord is coming back. Just as like in the days of Noah, we're there now with physical appetites, with secularism, with disregard of marriage, with uniformitism, with disobedience, with ungodliness, with unbelief, with blasphemy, with population increase, with hedonism, with technology, with violence, with corruption. We see corruption all in our politics now. Listen, the rapture is near. We need to be ready. 
The rapture is upon us. I don't know the date, and no one else knows the date, but it is coming. But once the rapture takes place, know that from that point, it's seven years when Revelation 19 becomes a fact, when Jesus sets up his kingdom. Hey, thank you for listening today, and I hope this message touches your heart as I'm asking my wife to close us in prayer. Father God, thank you so much, Father. We know that the time is coming near. We know, Father, time as we know it here on earth is coming to an end and eternity is forever. So, Father God, we pray right now that all of the listeners that are listening, that they will stop wasting time dancing with the enemy and they will make the decision today to choose you, Father God, to choose life, to choose eternity with you forever. And so, Father God, we just pray that that today in this message that you will continue to be glorified that uh, this would continue to reach all of the lost souls out here in San Diego and all across the United States and the world. We praise you, Father, and we thank you. You get all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in today. And come visit us, 2112 El Camino Real in Oceanside. We have services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. Um, Come see us. We love you guys. Um, And no more than that is that Jesus loves you and he wants to set you free and he wants to rapture you. He wants to take you up. He wants to harpause you as he is coming back really, really soon. Thank you for listening. We love you and we'll see you soon again next week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option that values constitutional rights and medical freedom, serving ages 3 through 6th grade. Hosted by At the Cross Church in Oceanside, they offer in-person classes and electives Tuesday to Thursday, along with a classical conversation community offering foundations and essentials on Mondays. And they're now accepting applications for spring 2023. Visit them online at www.atthecrossoceanside.com. That's at thecrossoceanside.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.